Heavenly Father, it is a wonderful privilege to gather with your people and to hear your voice. Lord, we pray that we may be attentive to what you have to say this morning. We pray that you may help me to be able to declare clearly what it is that your word has said. And we pray that your word may encourage us to continue to submit our lives to Jesus Christ as our Lord. Lord, we pray this morning's sermon may glorify him. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, as I just said, a nine-week sabbatical has indeed reminded me of how much I love Dremoyne Baptist. I want to keep my position here, I've been reminded, for as long as I can. I have really missed, in particular, those things that I, have, I, I do on a regular basis that was what my sabbatical freed me up from. And those, in particular, are the pastoral visits, meeting with people, uh, talking to them about Jesus Christ, reading the Bible with them and praying with them, uh, preparing Bible studies and running Bible studies. It's a great privilege to be able to sit down with people and study the Word in depth with people. And, of course, preparing sermons and preaching sermons. While I preached on my sabbatical, they were all old sermons. They were just reruns uh, for me, so they weren't particularly edifying to my own soul other than a reminder of what I've already learned in the past. Whereas when I preach fresh sermons here at Dremoyne Baptist, I am changed each week. I preach those sermons to myself before I preach them to you. And one of the things that I pray regularly on my prayer list for my sermons is that I would be changed and transformed uh, before I then get up and try and tell others to listen to the word of God that I have listened to it first. And so it is wonderful to be back. But I'm reminded by this passage that we're going to look at today, that there have been many pastors before me at the Moyne Baptist, and in all likelihood there will be many pastors after me. Why is that? Well, at the very least, I will die one day, and I will no longer be able to be the pastor of the Moyne Baptist. You may like me at this point and want to have me here, and I have had some encouragements from people at the Moyne Baptist that they love having me back, and they welcomed me back with joy, and I love being here. And that is wonderful, that a church loves its pastor and the pastor loves the people. But I cannot always continue in this office. And that may sound like a very morbid note to strike when I return from a a time away, but that is part of the point of this passage that we're going to be looking at this morning. Uh, We pick up where I left off at Hebrews chapter 7, Hebrews chapter 7, and we'll be looking at verses 23 through to verse 25 this morning. And what we're going to be looking at is the subject of priests, and we've been looking at that as we've looked at Hebrews 7 in the past. And this morning, the first thing that we notice from verse 23 is that there's been many Levitical priests There's been many Levitical priests, and that's my first main point this morning. The priests of Levi were many. The priests of Levi were many. And you see that in verse 23. It says, now there have been many of those priests. And, of course, the those is speaking about the Levitical priests, which have been spoken about in verses 11 and following of Hebrews chapter 7. And so the author is setting up, firstly, for us to understand that there's been many priests and According to historical records, there were many priests, and particularly high priests, 
High priests were ones that continued a long time generally in office and according to Josephus, an early historian, a Jewish historian from the period of the early church, he said that 83 high priests had served from Aaron, the first high priest, until the fall of the second temple and that's in 70 AD. So from Aaron in the Old Testament all the way through past the life of Jesus, his death and resurrection, on to AD 70, there were 83 high priests. And you may think, oh, well, um, that's quite a few. But why is it that there were so many Levitical priests? Well, that brings me to my second main point. If you want to follow my main points, they're there on the back of the church bulletin. My second is the priests of Levi died. And that is what verse 23 emphasizes as well. There, now, there have been many of those priests. Why? Since death prevented them from continuing in office since they died. Now, we've got to remember that the Levitical priests had the same problem that everybody has. What's that problem? Sin. And what's the consequence of that problem of sin? Well, it's death. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned, and then it goes on to speak about Christ, but he's emphasizing that death came to all men because all sinned, and that includes the Levitical priests, and that includes the high priests. It's not as though the priests were sinners and they died and the high priests were somehow pure and righteous and they didn't die. No, we recognize that high priests sinned as well. And the author of Hebrews has emphasized that fact back in Hebrews chapter 5. Flip back with me to page 1186 of your church Bibles. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. That's the high priest. He's subject to weakness. And then verse 3, this is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. The high priest was very much exalted in the community of Israel, but he's still a sinner. And what does that mean? He still dies. Because if you sin, you die. That's the way it works. Those who rebel against God end up dying for their sin. Then we come to the question, well, okay, so there were many Levites and we can see that the reason was because uh, Levitical priests and the reason was that there were so many is because they kept on dying because they kept on sinning. What is the result of all that sinning and dying? Well, that's my third main point this morning. The priests of Levi could not continue in office. The priests of Levi could not continue in office. And we see that in verse 23 as well. It says, Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. They could not continue in that office. As the priests were not free from sin and death, the priests were not able to continue doing the role of a priest. Because it's quite clear that if you are no longer alive then you can no longer have the position that you had previously. We've got a state election coming up and all very soon and things are starting to get heated up in the media about it. No dead person is running for office. It would just be absurd to think that you could put someone forward for office who is not alive. 
And it is true that many people have served as politicians in Australia, but they continue to die, which is why part of the reason why we continue to need more politicians, people to take that job, which I would not want, of being a politician. We need people to come along and take that. They sometimes get excluded from office, they're voted out, but sometimes they pass away. And so they can no longer perform that office. And that is what happens with the Levitical priests. There's many. Why? Because they die, which then means they can't continue in office. No matter how much you love them, you can't say, yes, this is still our priest. Once they're gone, they're gone. And so we see a provision in the Old Testament, in that passage we read from Numbers, for this very problem that is going on. We see with the very first high priest Aaron that there was a provision made for when he passed away and then we see that happening. In Numbers chapter 20, verse 25, God says, Get Aaron and his son Eleazar and take them up Mount Hor, remove Aaron's garments and put them on his son Eleazar, for Aaron will be gathered to his people, he will die there. We see God recognising that Adam's about to die, but that does not mean that the high priest office is discontinued. No, it will be passed on to Eleazar, his son. And so we see that there's a provision made for the death of priests, that the office will be passed on to somebody else. Now this seems like a problem, because don't you want priests to always be there? Is there a better priest than the priest of Levi? And this is what this passage Hebrews chapter 7 is all focused on. There is a better priest. And who is that? That is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is held up. We've seen this happen a number of times as we've been working through this because this letter is written to Jews who have converted to Christianity but are thinking of going back to being Jews. And so the author is reminding them, watch what you're doing. You're trading in what you have now as a Christian for a system that has priests who die and who therefore cannot continue in office. So how is Jesus better as a priest? Well, my fourth main point this morning is that Jesus lives forever. Jesus lives forever. And we see that in verse 24. It says, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Jesus lives forever. He did die, yes, but he came back to life. And he now has an indestructible life, is what verse 16 of Hebrews chapter 7 says. It says there that he has, he's, he's made priest, verse 16 says, one who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. Jesus lives forever. And other parts of the Bible testify to this. Romans 6.9 says, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. And he, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, Jesus himself says, I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. So Jesus is better than those priests. Why? Because he lives forever. But how does that make him better? Well, that brings me to my fifth main point this morning. Jesus has a permanent priesthood. 
Jesus has a permanent priesthood, and that's there for us in verse 24 as well. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Jesus is able as a priest to offer sacrifice for sin. And that's what we saw in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1, when we looked at it a moment ago, that high priests are selected from among men and appointed to represent them in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. That's what a priest is supposed to do. And Jesus has offered a sacrifice for sin. What was that? Well, it wasn't a goat. It wasn't a bull. It wasn't a pigeon. A dove. Any other type of animal, it was himself. He offered himself. He went to the cross and died the death that we deserve to die for our sins. And so Jesus does that as priest. Now you can say, okay, the original readers would have said, but we've got priests who can offer a sacrifice for sin. Why is it better that Jesus be our priest? Well, as a permanent priest, having a permanent priesthood, which is what Jesus has, he can make sure there is atonement for sin forever. Now you may say, okay, well, hang on, why can't I just have multiple priests? Why can't I just have priests one after the other and I'll be fine forever? Well, that brings me to my sixth main point. Jesus is able to save completely. Jesus is able to save completely. And we see that in verse 25. Therefore, meaning because he lives forever and has a permanent priesthood, therefore he, Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. As one who has a permanent high priesthood, Jesus is able to save completely. Which is wonderful to know that he's, as one who lives forever, he can save us completely. When we consider if it was to be done by humans who continue to sin and die, how do you know that you will always have someone there to represent you before God? We have a fairly stable government in our country. But we can have no guarantee that anarchy will not come, that somehow the government will fall apart. This happens in countries again and again. Even in recent decades, certain countries of the world, the place just descends into chaos and it's every man for himself practically. And if you can band together with some family and some other community, you might be able to be stable enough and keep your life. You have no guarantee that someone will always be in certain offices. And if you have a priesthood that continues to be made up of people who come, sin, die and are removed from office by their death, then you have no guarantee that someone will always be in that office. Whereas if we have Jesus as our high priest who lives forever and has a permanent priesthood, we don't have to worry about someone else picking up the slack when our priest dies because Jesus is there to pick that slack up. And you don't have to worry about picking up the slack because imagine if you don't have a priest all of a sudden because he died and you think, oh, well, I've got to do that job. And that's what many false religions teach. They teach that you have to do some work to be saved. So what Jehovah's Witnesses teach, that salvation comes by part of the work that you do. But if you've got a high priest who has been high priest and will be high priest forever, as it says in Psalm 110, where it says, uh, and it's quoted there in verse 29, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. If you have that kind of high priest, then you are saved completely. 
He will make sure that you're okay. And so we're 2,000 years on from Jesus taking on that role as high priest. Now you may doubt then, 2,000 years has passed. How can I know that Jesus' sacrifice for sin is still current and available for me and my sin? How can you know? Because Jesus is still alive. He's still alive, making sure that atonement for sin is available in comparison to those priests who continue to die, 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 die. And I mean, even now, what priests are serving in office for the Jews at the moment? None, because there is no temple since AD 70, almost 2,000 years ago. Why would you go and follow a system that has no priests because there is no temple? The priests die and the temple has died as well. It's no longer available for people to do that. Now the question then is, who does Jesus save completely? If he is able to save completely as a high priest who's permanently priest because he lives forever, who does he save? Well, that brings me to my seventh main point. Jesus saves those who come to God through him. And that's there in verse 25 as well. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. There's no universalism in the Bible. What's universalism? The belief that everybody makes it to heaven anyway. And that Jesus' payment at the cross, it was for everyone. Every single individual. Jesus died for the whole world, meaning every single individual, which means that even if they reject God while they're here in this world, eventually, somehow, they will make it to heaven. No, Jesus did not die for everyone. Because we see that there. He is not high priest for everyone. He is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Not those who come to God. Many people say, oh yes, I come to God. Through all kinds of religions, they have God as their God. But they do not come to God through Jesus. Those are the ones who are saved completely. Those who come to God through Jesus. And how does that happen? How do you come to God through Jesus? Well, it's by repentance and faith. The Bible tells us in numerous passages that we need to repent of our sins, turn away from our sins, and believe that Jesus Christ died for us. If we do that, we're coming to God through him. We're trusting in Jesus Christ for our salvation. But the question you may ask, well, how does Jesus save you in his office as high priest. You come to God in repentance and faith and his sacrifice is there. How do you know that he's performing that office, that it's going to be okay for you? Well, that brings me to my eighth main point this morning. Jesus always lives to intercede for us. Jesus always lives to intercede for us. And that's there in verse 25. It says, Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Why? Because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus has a permanent high priest and he does not take that role lightly. Imagine if you had a permanent office. You, I mean office as in position, job, not a building. Imagine you have a permanent position. Would you kick your heels up a bit if you knew that you didn't have to do that job all the time because you've got the job. It's okay. You, you live forever. You continue in the office. You have a permanent position. 
Now you might wonder, Jesus lives forever, has this permanent position. How do I know that he is saving completely? How do I know he's doing that job? Well, the Bible tells you. He always lives to intercede for us. He always lives to intercede for us. He lives to do his job. And what is his job? It's to intercede on your behalf to God. Remember what we said, those who are saved, they're people who come to God through him. Jesus is there between us and God, interceding. Another way you could translate the word intercede is appeal. He's appealing to God, like a uh, someone who comes before you and the judge or before a king, interceding on your behalf. And that's what Jesus does. What does he intercede on our behalf for? Well, 1 John 2 verse 1 gives us a hint of that. It says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, which is what we should be doing as Christians, not sinning. But if anybody sins, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defence. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Isn't that marvellous? That there, you have a permanent priest who is always living to intercede on your behalf. When you sin, he's there interceding, saying, it's okay, sacrifice is made. His sins are forgiven. Joel's sins are forgiven as he goes through this week and he will sin many times. Joel won't confess all his sins because Joel's oblivious to a good bunch of them. Jesus knows them. And thankfully, Jesus intercedes on my behalf. And he does so on yours as well. If you come to God through him, if you come to God through repentance and faith, you have an advocate at the right hand of God who has a permanent position there and he lives to do the job. Most of you do have jobs. Do you live to do your job? Jesus does. He lives to do that job of interceding on your behalf. Now, as I said before, I missed you greatly while I was on my nine-week sabbatical. And you may have missed me, which is wonderful as well. And as I said before, that's wonderful if the sheep love the pastor and the pastor loves the sheep. But you must remember, I am not your high priest. Your relationship with God is not dependent upon me as your pastor or any of the other elders of this church. We may be able to have an influence on your life, definitely, your relationship with God, by the things that we say, by the things that we do. We can have a big influence, and we're accountable to God for that influence. But we are not the foundation of your salvation between God and you. Why is that? Well, one of the reasons that this passage is making clear. Why does he not use human pastors to be that one that comes between God and the people? Because we are mortal and we die. I one day will die and I will no longer be able to be the pastor of Des Moines Baptist. And that goes for any other pastor you may have if you are at a different church or you go to a different church and you have a pastor there and you really like him and you think he's really great, he will one day die. And what are you going to do then? What are you going to do then when he's no longer in office and you've been dependent upon him for your relationship with God? That is why as much as you like me, 
You must remember that it is Jesus who is your high priest. He is your chief shepherd. There are other shepherds, yes, that God puts into your life to help you. But there is a chief shepherd and he is the one that is far superior to any human being for many reasons and one is the fact that he lives forever. You can always rely on him. Everybody else around you may pass away, but you can remember that Jesus Christ has not passed away. He is there. He is before the Father. He is an advocate on your behalf and he always lives to make sure that you are right with God. So the question is, do you have a high priest who lives forever, who has a permanent priesthood, who saves completely. He is able to save completely and always lives to intercede for you. If you have Jesus as your high priest, if he is the one that you belong to, then know that you are saved completely and rejoice in that fact. Praise God that you have an advocate on your behalf at the throne of God and you will always have an advocate there. There are so many words in that few verses that I could just go on and on about. But just recognize that he is there. He is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Praise God for verses like this that remind us of how we relate to God. Do you have Jesus as your high priest? And so then are you saved completely? Let's come before our God in prayer. Let us speak to him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the precious nature of your word, that it does apply to our lives, even so many years removed from when it was written. Lord, we thank you that it reminds us of how superior Jesus Christ is to any other person, to any other priest, to any other pastor or teacher, that he is our teacher, he is our pastor, and he is our high priest because he always lives to intercede for us. He always lives and has a permanent priesthood. Lord, we pray that each and every one of us in this room today may have Jesus Christ as our high priest, may we accept no other substitute for him. May we come to you through him and him alone. And then have that glorious knowledge of knowing that we have someone who stands and lives to intercede for us before you. Lord, we pray that we as people who do have him as our high priest may continue to remember this truth. And may we take great delight in it. May it spur us on to live for you. And may we praise your name accordingly. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.